everybody. This is Diane Gibbs with Design Recharge. I'm your host, and I am joined by my good friend Jody Miller, and I'm really excited. This is episode 286, and today we're going to be talking about a little bit about anxiety and all the things that Jody is doing. She says she's a freelancer for God, and I cannot wait to show you some of her artwork. But one of the things I want to try to do um, in the beginning of these is tell you what Design Recharge is about. And really, if I just sum it down to one thing, it's hope. It's that I'm sharing somebody's story that I think is really powerful and that I wanted you to hear their story to give you hope that you could do this too. That if there was something that you wanted to do or you wanted to learn, they figured it out and you can too. And you don't need a degree to figure it out. Although I do believe in uh, higher education. <laughs> I am a teacher, but I, I just wanted you to know that to me, that's what design recharge is about. It's about giving, sharing some hope um, that we can make it and you can do it and that you are creative and um, don't get down. Cause I feel like a lot of times we get this negative stuff in our heads. So anyway, now back to Jody. I'm going to, so I've known Jody since I don't know the nineties, maybe 98. 98. Okay. So we started working together in 98 as a designer. So she didn't know me as a teacher. And Naomi says she just listened to you on your fearless podcast. Awesome. So I'm going to share that with you guys. It's on the show notes as well. So it'll be underneath and it'll also, there'll be a link to it if you're watching on YouTube. So anyway, Jody and I have known each other and she was a designer and I was a designer and she had done textile design. So we're going to do a little history for him, Jody, like a 10 minute summary. And then when you want me to pull something up, I'll pull it up. Can you okay. give him a little bit of, so you went to what school? I graduated from university of Idaho. Go Vandals. <laughs> Is that what they are? Vandals? Yeah. Vandals. Hmm. Yep. So, but I, um, I was taking graphic design and they don't let you double major in your undergraduate at, um, U of I. So I was taking graphic design and I had one more class, one more semester. And, but before I finished up that last class, they came to me and said, because I transferred, um, that not all my credits transferred and I needed to take another entry level design class and I could just choose what I wanted. So, um, I took, uh, I took, uh, textile design 101. And when I did, I was like, Oh, this is what I wanted to do the whole time. And so I didn't finish the graphic design. I took two years of textile design. I stayed in school two more years. So then after six years of college, I finally took that last graphic design class. So I got all of my graphic design, I got all, all of my textile design, and then graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Okay, so I want to show just some, a couple of things over here that are, and I don't know if these are textiles, to be honest, Jody, but I'm going to hopefully. Patterns. <laughs> There's some patterns. Yeah. So you've actually done a lot of um, textile patterns. You worked for Tommy Bahama. Um, you also worked for Eddie Bauer Home when you were in, in Seattle from Denver you moved to Seattle right yes yep and your husband so like but look at that people that's just and she does a lot of just line drawing right by hand mm -hmm. yeah so we're I'm just kind of plopping them through but then you've also did some work in the scrapbooking industry making pattern papers yep so were these fabrics or were these pattern paper these were um the last two that you showed this like this one um, the one with all the flowers, uh, those were pieces that I put together for my, uh, art show that we're going to talk about later. Mm -hmm. And what I did was just take patterns from past jobs. So some of it is for, um, textile design. Some of it is for the scrapbooking industry. And I mm -hmm. just took pieces of things that I had created and then created these collages so that, um, when I did my art show. That was one that I just did last year. This one? Yeah. Is this, can you see that big or do I need to make it, is that better? No, it's kind of pixely. Oh. <laughs> but I guess it gives you an idea. Is that, I can't see because the chat goes away when I, uh, okay, now I can see. Oh. Yeah, it's not bad. Missed two sessions and came, <laughs> okay, um, Okay, so here we go. So, but these were, so you did, were these scrapbook papers or yep, just? that was a scrapbook paper. 
And so, so is that one. So yeah. And so Naomi does a lot of patterns and Alan, who's usually here, he does a lot of patterns. So this is kind of taking it to the next level, I think, you know, so um, is that where you started was just doing kind of the basic pattern and then you started layering? Um, okay. Yeah. So in all of the design work that I've ever done, even at Tommy Bahama, because it was such um, a requirement, they didn't want to be producing anything that looked like it was done digitally. It all had to look like it was done by hand. Mm -hmm. And without even realizing that, I think that was kind of my philosophy, even when I was in school, mm -hmm. that I wanted to be able to create everything by hand and then just use the computer as a design tool to yeah. Um, yeah, put it together. So everything that I've created, the majority of it is done by hand, either painting or drawing or... Um, yeah. And then I can assemble things and change colors and. Okay. So, so, so you do this, so you worked and then what happened in your job or in your life that you were like, so right now, so at the point you were working at Tommy Bahama, you have uh, Blake is your son and you have a husband, Casey, who I've known for just as long as I've known you. And he's a musician. He was a stay at home dad. So tell us kind of like you you were bringing home the bacon, right? And I, have to, I have to tell them about when we met though, because I okay. had not ever had a design job and I had convinced the team of girls that I worked with to let me set up my desk in the art department so that at least I could glean from the designers that had been doing design and, um, and feel a little bit more at home. And Diane, you were the first person that I met and I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I loved design, but I didn't know what I was doing. And you told me, listen, I'm studying to get my a master's degree and I'm going to become a professor at a university and I love to teach. And if you have any questions ever, I'll teach you anything. And you did. I told Casey this morning, I was like, I hope she doesn't ask about any design expertise <laughs> because everything I know, I learned from Diane. So you could just, <laughs> you could just do the talking. So, but, yes. So we worked and so, you know, when you meet somebody and they're like, um, so Jody said that I'm a gold digger and we'll explain what that is, but I love it now. I was like, I don't think I'm a gold digger, you know, like my <laughs> husband's not full of money. Um, he's older, but not full of money. So when she said, so, but I met Jody and it was like, um, I'm a Christian and Jody was a Christian and we figured that out really early. And, um, it was just like, she, so Casey would go and tour. Yeah. And so then, and I, my boyfriend was in Colorado Springs. And so we didn't, I had a lot of extra time and, um, it was just, it was just, I think God just put us together, but she did so on fire. Like she would whip something out and I'd be like, what you did that in 30 minutes. And it was just, amazing the stuff Jody was able to do as you've seen some of her uh designs she just works very very fast I realize that my keys are hitting the desk um but it was it was just like that fast friend that you just have you just knew I knew I knew known her my whole life but I hadn't known her my whole life but it was just we really clicked she taught me really you taught me about sewing we sewed together we did all kinds of crafty things that's, together that's we did, but you were a total answer to prayer because I was going through a really hard time those two years that I was there. And really you were like, um, you were like a gift to me and you still are, but I mean, yeah, well, you're a gift to me. So you hated Denver. I, I hated Denver. Loved except for Denver. You. I loved you. <laughs> I loved Teresa. I loved you, but I did not like Denver because, um, because of what I was going through. So then Casey came home one uh, from a tour and said, where do you want to, where do you want to move? And I had driven to Boulder, gone to this new fancy mall. And there was this little shop that had the silk clothes with floral prints on it. And I was talking to the store owner and I was like, Oh my gosh, what is this? And he said, it's a company headquartered in Seattle. They're super nice. It's a small company. And I just started researching Tommy Bahama. I knew nothing about them at the time. And then when Casey came home and said, you know, where do you want to go? I'll tell the band tomorrow. Like, well, I'll go anywhere you want to go. And I was like, I want to move to Seattle and I want to work for Tommy Bahama. And he is like, okay, I'm telling him tomorrow. And, and he did. And within a month, 
we were on our way to Seattle and I had applied from Denver to Tommy Bahama and I used to, before I had the job where I met Diane, I worked in a temp agency in the recruiting department and they always made me write the T&T letters. Thanks, but no thanks. So I had applied at Tommy Bahama and they had sent me, you know, you don't have any experience in textile design. Thanks, but no thanks. But I, I always, I always felt like, Oh no, I can make this work. They just need to meet me and I can make this work. And so when we moved, I started working at Eddie Bauer and, um, you were freelancing, right? I was freelancing at Eddie Bauer doing fashion illustration, taking flat sketches and textile designs that other artists had created and, um, drawing them on, uh, figures for their catalogs and convinced the design director let me do it in the computer because it'll go so much faster. And when that happened, it, it just changed the game. And then they had me uh, put together a curriculum to teach the designers how to do it. And I taught myself out of a job. So then this was at a time at a time, this was, I think computers kind of came yeah. around in like 90, I mean, really to most schools, but Jody and I were probably the first people in school to learn on a computer completely. Yeah. We didn't learn yeah. by hand doing anything. So now Jody, just like what she said, she worked herself out of a job, but she was getting the experience and she also was able to use that, that just amazing spirit that she has of it's going to work out. Uh, I'm going to just teach you, but you really in Denver, you left something back in Denver, right at an airport. It sounded like. Oh yes. Other, um, can you tell them a little bit? Because the anxiety, I didn't realize that it, you were so. Because when we were together, I didn't think you were filled with anxiety. I know. But I was good at covering it up. <laughs> you were really good at covering it up. So, yeah. so what happened? And it and it was so you and Casey were newlyweds, right? Yeah. And yeah. you moved to Denver. Yep. And then he would leave and you would be super, super anxious. I mean, anxious to the point of, I've said bye to my parents. If I die on the way to work or if I die wherever, I mean, like pretty severe, I would say. It was very severe. (laughs) It was uh, debilitating. And um, yeah, so when Casey and I got married, my grandfather got in a car accident and died. We got, we graduated from college three months later, we were married and then we moved away from home. And then within four days of moving there, he was on his first tour and gone for a month. And those two years that I knew you there and we lived there, he toured 13 and a half months out of those two years. So I was alone and I was angry at God that my grandpa had gotten in an accident and passed away. Because you were and very close to your grandpa. I was really close to my grandpa. And really, I had gotten this mindset uh, that if, you know, my grandpa was such a godly man who loved Jesus so much and God didn't protect him. Like, I'm a mess who's covering up uh, years of worry and anxiety. I'm such a mess that God's not going to protect me. And then every fear that I grew up with just manifested and became really severe. But because I had always kind of covered up the fear that I had. Because this was even as a kid, you had this bad fear. Yeah, I had fears and as a kid and, um, but got really good growing up in the church. I knew what the right answers were. I knew, you know, did you know? So um, yeah, I probably shared with him more than anybody the fears that I was having. And he had, um, he, he would say, Jody, think about when your grandpa did get in the accident and you were at the hospital with him. He was like, how did you feel? And I was like, that was like the only time in my life that I felt like steadfast, like firm, like confident that God had it. And he was like, and that was a real situation. Like, that there was a real that wasn't crisis made up in your head. No, it was a real crisis. And you, you had the peace of God. He was like, if you don't have the peace of God, he was like, it's not real. Like, so that was a tool that definitely I would think over like, okay, this isn't real. Cause if it was, then God would give me the peace that passes all understanding and I would be good and I'm not good. So this isn't real, but it was a lot of my imagination just being used by the enemy for, uh, you know, to stop me from the real reason that God has 
made me a creative and wants me to use my imagination for the kingdom. So when we were, when we had decided we were moving to Seattle, we were at the airport flying to Seattle to find an apartment. And that particular day, uh, Casey was there. He loves to fly. So he was like watching the planes take off. He was so excited, acted like he was seven years old. Just look at that plane. Oh my gosh. He just sat at the window and watched him land and take off. And he was so excited. But for me, flying was like everything else. It was a, a, a severe trigger for me. Like, like you said, I went through and made sure I told my sister, I love her. I, told my mom and dad, called them, told them, you know, we're getting ready to get on the plane. I'll call you when I get there, which was part of my covering up. Saying the right thing. Saying the right thing. Because in your head, you were like, this is it. I'm dying this on yeah. this plane. Yeah. So I love you. And my mom would say, I love you too. Dad says he loves you. And then I would be like, okay, check. I told the people that I love, I love them. And, but yeah, I would sit there and go through the whole trauma of a crash in my mm -hmm. imagination. And that particular day, God said, Hey, I want to talk to you about your grandpa. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I was, I wouldn't talk to God at all. Those two years, it was really hard for me to pray. It was like, and I think I just decided, Oh, I'm going to die anyways. I might as well think about it. <laughs> and, and that's the truth. Like I, and, and I imagined my grandpa in his truck about to get in his accident and at the end, get to the part of my imagination where I would get really angry because I would see him look in the rearview mirror and another truck not stopping about to hit him and him being having no options. Mm -hmm. And it just made me angry. And that particular day, um, when I was imagining it, I got to that part and he didn't look in the rearview mirror. My grandpa just looked next to him and in the empty passenger seat, Jesus was sitting there and he looked at my grandpa and it was like time stood still. Like he looked at my grandpa and just said, Hey, Dwayne, you want to go home? And my grandpa said, yes. And then the truck hit. And when I was sitting there realizing, Oh my gosh, could that have been what happened? Like I never would have imagined that scenario. And, um, I felt like God was like, Jody, if the plane did crash, you would, you and Casey would look to the empty seat next to you and I would be there. And he said, if I looked at you and said, you know, are you ready to go home? He was like, what would you say? And I think it was just an invitation. Like you asked me to be your Lord and savior when you were little, but when have you trust, or do you trust me to save you? Do you trust me to be your savior in this? And I think it, in that moment when I said, I would say yes, I think that was me maybe for the first time. I think, you know, like becoming a real Christian, like becoming a real person who trusted that God, that Jesus was my savior, that God was going to save me. But it wasn't just about your soul. It was about all the other things that you didn't. Yeah. Like in my everyday. Yeah. The everyday. The everyday he's going to save me. He, he is my savior. And I got up and had no fear and got on the plane for like, literally I, I share about it in that fearless talk, but I, I remember standing up and taking those first steps and not feeling fear. And fear was such a heavy weight because with fear came shame, mm. came guilt. And that was just a heaviness. So even if I did okay one day, I still had this like weight of shame and guilt for being a, a Christian who didn't believe God. And so, which I don't think is possible. <laughs> like, I don't think that you can do that. And so in that moment, I took that first step and I remember looking around like, oh my gosh, is, is this what it feels like to not have fear, to not to not have fear. And, um, I got on the plane, buckled up, sat there just in wonder, like, Oh my gosh, this, does that person over there have no fear? Do they feel like I feel right now? And, um, yeah, it was a definite game changer. Like my life started to really drastically change. And, and then in Seattle, when I was working at Eddie Bauer and nine 11 happened, um, I was getting ready to get my hair trimmed. And, and you had long hair. I had long hair. I'd grown my hair out really long and I was getting ready to get it trimmed. I'd been getting it trimmed like for five months while we were there. And 
I went early and I was listening to the radio and they were talking about, it was the day after 9-11, so they were talking about for the first time people having to jump out of the windows to get away from the flames. And I just remember I was sitting there like horrified, like, oh my gosh. And I just felt like God was saying, Jody, you don't even know how to worry. Like you have no business worrying. You don't even know how because you never would have. You never would have imagined that. In all of your vain imaginations, you never would have imagined you having to jump out of a window, (laughs) you know, to get away from flames. And, um, and he was like, even then I was with them. And I, in my imagination, I just started seeing people standing at the window, you know, the window seal getting ready to jump and Jesus coming in between them and grabbing their hands and saying, kids, you ready to go home? And them saying, yep. And jumping. And I just saw over and over again, people holding hands with Jesus and jumping. And God said, um, you know, my people are talking about me everywhere. Like they're talking about praying in the stairwells when they were trying to escape the, the buildings that were collapsing and, um, and things that, and miracles that I'm doing. And he said, I'm doing a lot of good in this tragic thing. And he was like, you've been waiting a long time, but I'm going to flip your switch. I'm shutting off your worry today. Cause my mom would say, Oh, Jody, I wish I, you could just shut your worry off like a light switch. I wish you could just flip the switch. And I would get so angry. I would be like, Oh, that is so ridiculous. Like <laughs> I've had these fears since I was, uh, since I can remember, this is who I am. Everybody just needs to get used to it. And in that moment, God said, I didn't create you to be fearful. Hmm. I created you to be fearless. And Um, I got it. I got out, went into the salon and I told the gals, okay, you have to cut off all my hair. And she was like, what? And I was like, I'm cutting off my worry today. Like God took away my fear and anxiety today. And I've had this hair. There are hairs on my head that I've had since I was a little girl and I'm cutting it all off. And they, all the girls in the salon like gathered around me and they were like, oh my gosh, are you sure? And I was like, yep, cut it all off. And I remember they cut it to here and they were like, are we going shorter? Is this okay? And I was like, seriously, make it as short as you can and it still be cute. But like, I want, I want all my hair cut off. And they gave me a little pixie cut that was shorter than Diane's hair. And it was, it was cute. And, um, but I remember my whole life, I, some of the shame and guilt I had was like, I don't have a God story. If I try to tell someone my God story, it's not real because underneath it all, I'm all that underlying. Yeah. There's all this fear and uh, you're not, and you know, the Bible says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid over and over again. And, um, and when I cut my hair off, I wasn't anticipating that this part of the story, but when I went back to Eddie Bauer, with my short pixie cut, every single person was like, oh my gosh, you cut off all your hair. Why did you cut off your hair? And it was so impactful what God did to me in that car. Mm-hmm. I mean, like how he set me free that day that I was, I was emboldened to tell and anybody who asked, I was like, oh my gosh, let me tell you why I cut off my hair. And I, for the first time in my life, I had a real story. I had a story that you were willing to share because you now knew that there was, it was, it was my yeah. truth. Like mm-hmm. it, it was truth. And yeah. So I kept my short hair clear up until, you know, Blake was probably like one or one when I started growing it out. But every time I got ready in the mirror, it was just a reminder, like, oh my gosh, God healed me of my worry and anxiety. So it was awesome. It was rad. And then, um, so then I, I was applying at Tommy Bahama. I did a series of interviews with them and I finally like got my foot in the door. I was going to be a CAD artist working in the textile design department. So Kim had a question. Oh, she did. Okay. She Great. said, were you, did they let you go at Eddie Bauer? You were freelancing and you taught them how to do everything. And then did they let you go? No, no. So, um, I taught the classes to the designers for months and, and then while I was teaching them the class, I was applying for any job that came up at Eddie Bauer. So I would apply for a textile design job. I apply for a designer job and I got hired, um, as a contractor in Eddie Bauer home. So when the classes ended, 
I started working in Eddie Bauer home and the kids department. And, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like my dream job. It was like an awesome opportunity. Um, but it was in Kirkland and from Ballard where we lived, the commute was like an hour and a half, two hours each way. I was on the road a lot. And, um, and I wasn't really getting to like sit down and paint patterns and textiles. And I always had in my head, those florals, those floral prints, those Hawaiian prints, I just want to paint them. Mm -hmm. And so the whole time I was, um, uh, sending my resume to Tommy Bahama and then a CAD designer position opened up. And by then now I've, you know, I got experience at Eddie Bauer about a year's worth of experience. And, um, they started interviewing me a little bit before Thanksgiving that year. And I would go to meetings at Eddie Bauer and I would be taking notes, but I would find that my notes would just turn into prayers. Dear Jesus, please have Tommy Bahama call me back today. (laughs) And and that was another thing that you would write these love stories to Kate or, you know, letters to Casey, and then you would shrink it down so nobody could see it, but it was, it remains in these patterns, right? Oh yes. Yeah. I have, I think I have one of them. Let me see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She has some stuff to show. So, so, um, yeah. So then, uh, Eddie Bauer did call me back. They offered me Tommy a job. Bahama or Tommy Bahama did call me back. <laughs> they offered me a job. I went to the design director at Eddie Bauer that day and said, after Thanksgiving, I'm going to, I'm going to be working at Tommy Bahama. So, you know, I'll work till Thanksgiving break, but I'm done. I was just so excited. And, and Tommy Bahama was rad. It was awesome. And I worked as a textile designer where, or as a cat artist, where we would, they would go on buying trips, the designers, and based on what the season, what the color, color palette was, and um, they would purchase at these design houses, textile design houses, they would purchase um, a print that would be the umbrella print for the season the one that everything else was going to be uh, created from and they would bring it back and it would be a painting, you know, with millions of colors in it. And as a cat artist, it was our job to scan it in and reduce the colors down to eight to 16 colors. So we would have to repaint, but it was digitally. I'm like pixel hunting and getting rid of this color and making it this color. You were so always could, good with a Wacom tablet. Yeah. So I could reduce it down so it could be printable. And then we would create smaller prints that would become coordinates to that um, main print that they had for the season. Mm-hmm. But then as I was continuing to work there, um, my job description would change. And, um, and then uh, at one point I was doing textile design. I was um, working with other designers and we were creating the original prints. And it wasn't just Hawaiian prints because they had a denim uh, a denim department and it was called indigo palms. And so like on this one, this was for a tank top. Some of the pieces on the tank top would be like a piece from a, that they purchased from a design house. Mm -hmm. And then, um, something that like I created, I drew to go with it. And then here's like a love letter to Casey I would ask my other um, coworkers, like, do you have anything that you want to put in it? And we would, we'd put in little messages and stuff like that. Yeah. They never knew. Cool. Yeah. It was really cool. It was really fun. We tried to hide. We tried to, we'd hide our initials or our kids' names in the clothes and yeah, it was super fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it was naughty, but it was really fun. (laughs) Well, you're a vandal, right? That's the University of Idaho, the, just in your nature. That's right. <laughs> um, you're just being true to your alma mater. Um, so, uh, okay, so you then you work for Tommy Bahama uh, and you do a lot of different things. You're creating, you're doing exactly what you wanted to do. Then what happens that Blake is, I, I don't remember how old you said Blake was at this time, but you were like, hmm. Yeah. Um, I, Blake was two probably. And, um, and how old is Blake now? He's 15. Oh my goodness. Okay. He's a year younger than when I met Casey. We met when we were 16. It's just bizarre. 
Yeah. He looks a lot like Casey too. Um, so handsome. So he was two and, and the timing of this too, um, is interesting because, um, I had not even a year before, um, I had a, a, a supervisor who resigned to go create his own uh, business. And when he left, he took another designer, a coworker of mine who's super talented and me and sat us down and said, if you've ever wanted more, I've set you up. And, um, and he said, but you'll have to go to the CFO cause I'm out. But he, I, he really had set us up. Like he had told everybody like Jody and Matt are your go-to people. Because and in meetings, I just want to make sure people realize this is one of the things I love about Jody. And this is one of the things that, man, if I could get this instilled in my students, um, instilled in each other, like we need to, that's again, what Kim and I've done with love on designers this whole month. This is what we need to remind each other is that Jody would go to a meeting and they'd be like, well, we want to change this. And she'd be like, okay, that, it, you know, it's not, my identity is not locked in what I made. What I yeah. made comes from God. I'm just, I got a full direct line. I can create more, right? Can you kind of tell them a little bit? And sometimes that would kind of rub some people wrong in, yeah. in the um, in the meetings because there was no kind of pushback. Jody, they wanted her to do something else and she would. And she, it was, she was happy. She's just yeah. happy to be doing what she's doing. I know. I was just, and if I had to do it again, I was like, oh my gosh, you mean I get another shot and I can do it different? Like I just, I treated my job like school. I just love learning. And I was like, uh, it's going to be better. And I get, they're giving me more time to do it again. Like, and, and I really had this idea. I worked with, a, I, there were some, uh, like guys in our art department and, and designers, but the majority of them were young female creatives and, um, that were, you know, competitive and maybe not as secure in who they were yet. I mean, they were, we were all in our twenties. So, um, yeah, so it, it was an interesting workspace, but it was, it was awesome. And I loved it. And I really had this mindset that, okay, if she wins, I win. So if I can make this design director, if I can make her dreams come true and she feels like, Oh, this is exactly what I wanted and she wins, then I win. And, um, and I, I just thrived on that. I loved it. Yeah. So I never, my, who I was, was never tied to what I was creating because it couldn't be, we could work on, um, a series of prints and we worked always a year ahead. So if, if it was going to be for, you know, spring 2020, we were working on it, you know, spring 2019. Like that's just how you work. Yeah. So you would work a year ahead. Your, your design would go through the whole process. It was about to go to the sales meeting a year later. And, um, the, one of the owners, he headed up the design. His name was Lucho. Lucho would come and they would have strike off. So it was like prototypes, the the shirts with the prints and he would go through with his post-it notes and he would write go on the ones he wanted to keep in the collection. And it was always so super exciting. If one of the pieces that you did got a, a post-it that said go, cause so many times he would be like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Okay. Go. He would, he would choose the selection and you've worked on it for a year. So you can't like be too tied to it, but yeah, I never, I never fought for, you know, oh, no, you need to go with this, and here's why. There were and some... You weren't competitive. Again, you thought oh. if anybody on your team won, you won. But you also... Yeah. But other people didn't maybe have that same attitude. And that's one of the things I love about you, because you are... So we got to wrap this part, because we got to get to beautiful words. So okay. so, you, so what happens at the end of Tommy Bahama? So that one, that one dude leaves, and is he part yes. of two old hippies? No. <laughs> Okay. So somebody else. Yeah. That you work so with. he, he leaves, he sets us up. I go to the marketing department. I grab a gal that, um, I just, she just seemed like to own the place when she came in and I said, I need to have coffee with you. Here's what I want. I want to work from home. I want a 
a $12,000 raise and I want a job title change. I don't want to be CAD designer anymore in my title. I'm doing textile design. So she met with me a few times and um, she, we did a lot of role playing and then I set up a meeting with uh, the CFO and I went in and did what she told me to do. I told him, you know, these are the things that I want. And he was, he is super nice, really nice man. But um, he was like, you know, Jody, I never give more than one thing at a time, but you know, I'll consider it. I'll think about it and we'll meet again. And time passed and I gave him a thank you card and he was like, Oh yeah, come into my office. And I did. And he was like, you can't work from home. I was like, Oh, okay. He was like, there's too many young creatives. They'll all want to work from home. You can't work from home. He said, but I am going to give you a raise. And he gave me like this huge raise. It wasn't 12,000. He gave me a $10,000 raise. And he said, and I'm going to change your job title. So that had happened not even a year before this night that I was sitting in my um, cubicle waiting for Casey to pick me up downtown Seattle. I had my desk. I had the view of the space needle. I had like my Mac set up with dual screens and the latest and everything. And something wasn't working. The IT guy was up and he was fixing it. And we were waiting for things to like load and stuff. And he was like, he was like, you know, you have the best job. And I was like, I do. And he was like, yeah, have you seen where I work down in the basement? No windows, loud, you know, uh, <laughs> loud computers. He was like, he was like, you have the best job. He said, you're sitting here painting mermaids and um, flowers. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're right. And he left. And I remember I was sitting there and I was looking out and it was dark and I saw the space needle and I was, I was painting mermaids in shells and I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, he's right. And I felt like God said, um, if you trust me to give you more, I have more for you if you're willing to let this go. And I never thought that. I mean, I was like, I haven't even had my new raise and new title for a year. I'm going to, I'm going to give this up. But God said, if you're willing to give this up, I have something more for you. And, um, I went home. Casey picked me up. I went home and I remember we talked and I said, I think, I think I want to work less. And he was the stay at home dad with Blake, you know, Blake was two and, but he was starting his, um, his, uh, recording studio. So he would work in the evenings and we would just kind of pass each other. He'd hand Blake off to me and Blake and I would eat mac and cheese. And while dad was down in the studio working and then I would leave in the morning and, um, and yeah, and he was like, well, that's, that's awesome. Cause I want to work more because it was in his heart to be the provider and to, I think he loved staying home with Blake and it was a little, really special time, but it was in his heart to provide he was being called to do something else. And you were being called to do something else and just happened that it was a good match. Yes. And then we both felt led to move back home to Idaho, to Boise. And, and once we started moving to Boise, it was like, we just felt like God was bulldozing a path and we were just walking on it. Like, <laughs> just things fell into place and people thought we were crazy because we didn't have jobs. We were buying a house. We'd never bought a house. Okay. You know, so, so let's, so get at this point, you're in Boise. Casey did get a job. And, and you spent two weeks in prayer. Can you talk, tell about that? Like you went to work in the studio and I know we're jumping a lot cause you had had a kid, at, another kid at this after. So this is not right away, but can you kind of give them a little, catch them up a little bit? Yes. So I had worked in, um, I had gotten a job at Chatterbox, which was a, a scrapbooking company. It led into another job with seven gypsies, which was a scrapbooking company. So I was still getting to design patterns, but now I'm not having to reduce them. They can just get printed. And then I had worked, um, for four years with two old hippies and, um, creating everything, love, peace, love, rock and roll over and over and over again. It was a super fun job. And then, um, yeah, peace, love and rock and roll. Yeah. Two old hippies was super fun. And, um, and then I just started feeling like, uh, you know, well, actually I had 
my grandma had gotten cancer and I had gone to a healing service to pray um, for her. And I had been diagnosed with this uh, condition. I don't even know if I pronounce it correctly, but it, I, in my head it's called admiosis. But anyways, my uterus was as if I had a baby in it and it was growing and it would continue to grow until I had it removed or like the solution was not a fun solution. And um, when you're pregnant, you know, you, you, things move around so that your tummy can grow and you can still breathe and stuff. But um, with this condition, those other um, hormones weren't being released. And so my uterus was just like growing like I was pregnant and it was hard to breathe. It was hard to move. And I had gone to this revival in Nampa and there was a healing service afterwards, but I had gone with the intention to pray for my grandma and then felt like God was like, pray for your sister who was living in Vietnam. And I just remember crying out for my sister, hadn't seen her for a while, and I love her so much. So I was praying for her and feeling like, oh my gosh, these prayers are really getting all the way to Vietnam. Like I was just praying with my heart. And the pastor said, God, if someone came with tension in their body, hmm. just release it right now as you're healing them. So I was praying and all of a sudden I just felt like my like abdomen shrinking like I could breathe like I'm sitting there like it was like really miraculous and he was like and allow them to do something that they weren't able to do when they came in and I was like twisting and like I was freaking out I was like oh my gosh God just healed me he just healed me oh my gosh God just healed me and I was trying to find my friend like where is she like <laughs> he just healed me and um and that same night, he'd given me this vision of me, Jody, you trusted me to save you. Can you put your kids on the altar and trust me to save them? And when I had earlier in the service, I had gone down and just felt like something was being ripped from the core of me with this idea, my imagination of me just setting Blake and Gabby on the altar and saying, okay you use my very worst to draw me to you. So whatever is ahead of them in their life, I'm trusting that you will use everything to draw them to you. And when I was praying before he healed me, I saw this vision of me in, it wasn't like a church, but it was like in a space and I was up in front. There were people that I were, I was talking to and I was talking about creativity and I was talking about God and they were creatives. They were musicians and they were artists and they were designers. And I was getting, they were getting so on fire to be who God created them to be and to create with him that I was sending them out and then new ones would come in and I would just get them. And it was like, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds in my head, but it played out like a movie. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's, I think God's calling me to that. So it was after that, that I went home and told Casey, like, what would it look like if I, if God was like who I worked for? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. And he went and played guitar and that's his love. That's his prayer language. Like if he needs to process something with God, if he needs to, if there's a, a solution he needs to come up with, he goes and plays his guitar and talks to God while he's playing his guitar. And he always comes back and he, and you know, he'll come back and be like, Oh my gosh, I just figured something out. Like I just figured it out. And, um, and so he had been playing his guitar and he came up and he said, you know, I'm not going to tell you what you should do, but I think what you could do is let your, um, your clients know that you're taking some time because you were working 40 off. hours, you were doing two yeah. old hippies, you were doing a lot of other freelance, yeah. you were really working a full-time job, but you were just I was. Remote, remote. Yeah. And he said, just get up, get dressed, go in your studio and just pray. And whatever God wants you to create that day, then do it. And if he wants you to give it away at the end of the day, then give it away. But he was like, just go and pray and see. I think you should do the freelance for God thing. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, okay, well, you know, like, what about at the end of the month when we're like two pennies together? And he said, we can look at it again at the end of the month, but I think that would be really good for you. And so I did for two weeks, I got up, got dressed, sat at my drafting table, 
had a journal and just started praying and asking God. And I, I just prayed for two weeks, like eight hour days. I dropped, the kids would leave for school. And until I had to pick them up, I was at my drafting table and just praying and writing in my journal and talking to God, like what, what would it look like? And then the third Monday I was going in to do the same thing. I was going in to just sit down and pray and give that day to God and just talk to him about what it, what it could look like. And that third Monday when I went in, it was like everything just started spilling out of me. And it was the weirdest and most awesome week, two weeks. It was at least two weeks. I was writing poetry, like getting words. And I kept calling it beautiful words. Like, oh my gosh, these are beautiful words. These are beautiful words. I was writing poetry. I was designing, like I was creating mock-ups and prototypes of. Show them some of them. Or do you want me to just plop some of these images I have up? You can plop some of them on your head, on your um, computer, <laughs> on your head. But I'm like. I, so you yeah. ended up, you ended up having this you had a space, a space was given to you and you had this show and you had created all these things and you really, it was an experiential design kind of. Yeah. It thing. was an interactive yeah. art show. and every installation piece was an interaction. So that particular piece right there was my story from fear to freedom. Mm. So it was like 490 pieces of hand lettering on these ribbons, these paper ribbons. And, um, Yeah. And then there, uh, yeah, I had did, I had created when I was sitting down that week, I was creating, I created like 24 greeting cards and I actually got them created, got them printed. I have some of them here. So let me go through this real quick. So okay. our, Cause they can't see your thing. So then you have okay. this, another section in the, this interactive thing was, were these, um, like clips or hang hangers, right? Yeah, I just bought some vintage hangers, pant hangers. And so this was an installation. It, it, I had a map and you were to follow the map. And if you did follow the map, it the forgiveness wall was what you would interact with first. And the idea was... Is that the... What's, where's the, the forgiveness? Keys, the, oh, keys the keys. Okay. This wall. Yeah. This so, wall right there? Mm-hmm. Can you so see my mouse? you'd open the door and it would tell you how powerful forgiveness is and how powerful you are when you choose to forgive. And then the keys hanging next to it, the prompt was that it had, I had all these uh, tags behind them, these paper tags mm -hmm. and you were to, without using someone's name, you were to write someone you were, had forgiven or choosing to forgive um, or needed to forgive or were choosing to forgive that day. And the installation was up for a month. And when we took it down, every tag was filled with words like my mother, uh, my sister, a friend, a pastor, a doctor. A me. You even said that yeah, somebody me. wrote me, not Diane, but me. Right. Yeah, they would write me. I forgive me. Some of them were as intense, like, you know, I forgive. One said rapist on it. Like mm. people were forgiving. And the idea was um, to unlock your destiny and unlock who, who you were created to be. You can't do it until you turn the key of forgiveness, like mm -hmm. until you forgive, but everybody holds that key. So the door says you hold the key. So once you would forgive, then uh, the map would lead you through the rest of the installations. And it was all about identity. So the hangers and the pieces of beautiful words hanging from there, you were to read them, um, these ones and, I had hundreds and if somebody took one, then you, I, I had more to fill it. So you would read all of them. And then the one that resonated with you, you got to take. So people would take the beautiful words. You got to take them home. And I had people the opening night um, at eat this night at each installation. So when a piece was taken, there were more to put up. Or if somebody looked like, Oh, I, I don't think I should take anything. They were there to say, Hey, which one's yours and help right. them like take, cause you know, people don't want to take art off the wall really, I guess. So this is from that too, right? Yeah. So the back of the map, I had these one words at the top that said, love, pray, give. And then, um, that prompt in the interactive installation was 
um, by the truth wall. We just created a gallery wall and you were supposed to finish the beautiful words. So somebody wrote love without expectation. Mm -hmm. So you also did these keys. So were those keys engraved on no. the wall? No, I had never, I hadn't ever engraved anything in my life. And these are hand engraved people. This is where Jody is like my, I'm so amazed. And she was always like this. This is always, she was just so full of creativity. So, so, cause we have like 10 minutes left. Do we? Okay. Yes. Okay. So, um, so you so have to do after the show, two. I made a handful of necklaces with the keys where I pounded the, you know, stamped words into them and mm -hmm. I messed them up. It was too hard. And I tried fixing it with a little dinky engraver and I realized I could draw on the keys. So now I use uh, this heavy duty engraver and a magnifying lamp. And um, yeah, so I, on accident, I was drawing on a key and was like, oh my gosh, I could write the beautiful words on. I don't need to stamp them, hammer mm -hmm. them in. I can just etch them with this engraver. And so I started doing beautiful words. And for two years, uh, that's all I, I mean, full-time job. I just engraved keys and brass. And did so my, Brian, did you have a question? You raised your hand. I don't know if you want to pop on here or you just by accident hit the button. Um, I just want you guys to see some more of her work to me. And, and it's just so full. So you just, on that Monday, you just went over. So then is that when you started doing these cards? Because I have the cards in a second. Yep. Yep. I, so, uh, so here were some of the cards, which again are, they're watercolor and then hand lettering on some, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my hand handwriting on it. But I just felt like they were words that God had given me, these beautiful words, things that I would want to speak into my kids or into a friend. And, um, yeah, and I created, uh, he helped me create like 24 different, different cards. Okay. And so then it was those cards that I just blew up and made into the big doors in the art show. Oh yeah. Oh, let me get to, I have those, I sit called those. Uh, so this is one of like the cutouts mm -hmm. and then, um, I put them in some sort of order clearly not a good order <laughs> but the thing is is jody doesn't just stop she just keeps going and so these were kind of these yeah cardboard and plywood and, and so then, you could stand behind them or look through them or well they were closed on the door and they would say fly and then when you would open it up it would say uh spread your wings and fly because the best is yet to come so it was mm. just like these prophetic words dream you have permission to dream, so dream big. So then you also started doing some work more recently with um, um, immigrants, the refugees. Mm -hmm. yeah, the refugees. And so this is some of the work that I think. Yeah. That's yeah. come out of oh, that. Oh, there's Georgine. She's the best. And Agnes. They were like my first students. I had never done anything like it, but somebody had seen my beautiful words and asked me, like, could you create a curriculum for refugee women or women in transition um, with your beautiful words and do like art therapy with them so that they have uh, an, a space to talk about mm -hmm. trauma and talk about their, what they've gone through, but do it through art. And so that's Agnes and, yeah, miraculous things actually happened. They were my first group, and I've been doing that since 2014, 2000, maybe 2012. So a good long time. So Brian did have a question about the keys. Okay. And it was, and this is to do with some of the process of what you figured out. He said, do you paint them black? And I don't think that's what you do. That's not your press. I don't know. If you, if you don't want to share, because that is sort of pride. Oh, no, I don't mind sharing. Okay. So, um. I don't paint them black, but I, uh, I darken them with a brass darkener and okay. it's a solution that I put them in. It darkens them. And then that allows when I etch them and engrave them for the brass underneath to shine through. And so recently, um, so she was doing this full time, really, you were, you had an Etsy store and, um, people would order and, you liked it when people would just, you would be able to write whatever beautiful words on there and then create these amazing designs. And these are tiny. This is probably like a, I don't it's know, maybe 
inch one and a half inch. Yeah, yeah. One and a half inches. Um, this is why Jody's so amazing to me. Um, I mean, Jody, we got through like three questions. Um, <laughs> but what I love is that she's just continuing to grow. So more recently, um, God really kind of put something else on your heart. He said, okay, not that the keys are not going to still be done, but you're not doing them as much. I'm not so, doing them as much. I'm so giving then, my eyes a break. So, okay. Giving your eyes a break for sure. And then God really put something else on your heart. So what, yes. what, I feel like now I'm getting to live out that vision that I saw that day he healed me in that, um, at, at that healing service. And he has worked out, um, at my church that I go to river house, uh, creativity is preached from the pulpit about how we are all created in God's image as creators. Every person <laughs> is creative and that he is inviting us to co-create with him to bring heaven to earth. And it's, it's, it's the, it's like that verse in Ephesians that says, um, we are his handiwork created to do the things that in advance he's prepared for us to do the good works he's prepared for us to do. I just feel it's so important for us to, if we're creators to create because, um, it's how he releases through us. And, um, so like now at river house, I get to head up a group of creatives, get them fired up about creating with God and for God to bring kingdom. And, um, and then I release them out and then we have new creators. So that vision that I got, I really feel like I'm getting to live it out and mentor these creatives about how, um, our imaginations are to be sanctified. They're to be set apart. They're not to be used for worry and fear because the enemy knows that if he can stop creatives from using their imagination for these things that God's planned in advance, they're going to be unstoppable. They really will be fearless and art and creativity and um, believing that you have the solution in you is what create is what changes culture. It's what creates culture, and it always has. If you think about when you learn about past cultures, who who are you learning about? You're learning about Shakespeare. You're learning about Michelangelo. It's it's always the creatives that are driving culture, and so I think it's imperative that we know who God is and that he's good and that he loves us and that he protects us and that he is with us so that we're not uh, giving in to those thoughts that are fearful and um, anxiety driven because he wants us to use our imagination to see what no eye has seen before, hear what no ear has heard before, and to do things that no mind has wrapped their, you know, no person has wrapped their mind around because it's what is going to release heaven on earth. So I have these creatives and we um, meet every other Thursday and we talk about, you know, what is it, what does God's heart for us look like? What does it look like and how can we express it to the world around us and how can we do it in the most creative way possible? And sometimes that's working with the refugees, that's teaching art therapy with them and getting them to talk about their stories and realize, oh my gosh, God was there. Or it's about meeting downtown and encouraging other artists that who maybe don't know God yet, don't know Jesus yet, and but we speak their language and we know that in their heart, they're trying to express who they are. And um, so we, we go downtown uh, this last Thursday we met and we chose an artist that was being featured at a gallery at first Thursdays. It's something Boise does every first Thursday of the month. Businesses are open later. Galleries are open. You get to meet the artists. They're having art openings. And we chose an artist. We broke up in pairs. We had three questions like, who does God say this artist is? What promises does God want to release over this artist? And how can you articulate that to them in a way that will resonate with them? And as, as pairs, we just prayed over those questions. We wrote out what we felt like God was giving us for the artist. I brought cards. They filled the cards out. And then we dispersed into the city and found our artist. And As a pair. We, you did it as a pair. As a pair. Yeah, we found our artist and... Um, spoke over them and gave them the cards, encouraged them. 
and it didn't matter, you know, if the content that they were creating was, you know, Christian or not. I mean, none of them were it. I don't <laughs> think, you know, like maybe some of them were, but it was, it was powerful because, um, that's what Brian just said. How powerful it, it was. When, and then we came back at eight 30 and just talked about the process and how did we feel like we heard from God for that person? And then the delivery, like what happened when we gave them the cards or spoke with them and everybody's story was different. It, everybody's story was really powerful. And those are things that we're dreaming up, trying to think like, how can we create these experiences where people just get to walk into how much God loves them and you know, who they were created to be. So in two weeks we are, or on May, March 7th, first Thursday, we're setting out a red carpet and we're creating beautiful words, posters to give away and flower bouquets. And we're going to invite people to walk down the red carpet downtown. And as they do, we're just going to say beautiful words over them. Just tell them who God created them to be. And we have a photographer. We're just like, yeah, we're creating some special event for them. That's we're awesome. done, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep going. I have so many more questions. Patricia said, very powerful. Thanks, Jody and Diane. Got to go meet with their paper rep. So hopefully you guys have gotten some, um, I think, I think it's an amazing story. I didn't know about the healing of that disease. So I can't wait to ask you more about that. Um, but I want to make sure you guys know how to follow Jody. So you can follow her church river house ministries. And I'm putting that in the chat and it's just normal how everything's spelled river house, H O U S E ministries.com. And then you can also listen to, if you go to fearlessco.org, and you listen to episode three that Jody goes into her story a little bit more there. And it's really get a, get a, a box of tissues, people. And then, um, but you can always follow her on Instagram at, um, at Jody Miller underscore art, Jody with an I, J O D I, or at Darling Bird Studios. Yep. So, um, either one, both of them. I think she has one other uh, Instagram, but those were the ones I could find that I know of that she uses more regularly, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So Paige says powerful stuff. Taylor says really cool story. So there's just, it's just that you've been able to do so many things and that you are such a creator and a creative um, and that you don't let things stop you. Um, I, you. It hasn't been an easy road. You haven't had just like, oh, red carpet after red carpet. You've really had to, you've struggled and there have been and again, that's where I think there's hope. But I think for one, just the hope of the anxiety is gone. I know it's something you still battle with, but because you, because it's just because uh, we're human, right? But you can yeah, always look to that. Come, but I have skills. Yeah, I just sang a song. I played it for Casey this morning that said, "Fear can go to hell and shame can go with it." Like I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm not going to partner with fear and not yeah. do what I'm here to do. Yeah. And I feel like that's what you're doing. So you've been freelancing for God for how long? Since 2014. So five years. And you've been able to, one other thing that you've been able to do with Riverhouse is that you have all these creatives and they'll do a pop-up shop. And so that then they're selling the stuff that yep. they're making. So you're also very entrepreneurial. You're teaching people, but it all has this love of God underneath. And I love that. Thanks, right. Diane. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's super fun. All right. So um, we're just four minutes over. So this is the best Jody I've ever done. So you're just hang on because we'll talk after I hit stop record. But just okay. so you know, please hit like subscribe and put a comment under there. Is there something that you wish you had known? Or was there something that posed you have another question about something hit underneath um, whether you're on rechargingyou.com slash 286 or whether you're on YouTube or wherever. If you want to know the full show notes, some people have shared some things in the chat. Um, I'm going to put the books and other things that people have shared over there underneath on the show notes. So rechargingyou.com slash 286. You can always follow me at Design Recharge. And this week is Love on Designers. And this week is all about um, encouraging 
right? Encouraging. Last week was energized. This is encouraged. And I think Jody's the perfect one for encourage. And next week is going to be Kim, Panella, and me. And we're going to talk to you about more love and designer stuff. Me and Kim, we're going to come on next week. Anyway, <laughs> you're just Thanks, a blessing Ray. to me. And I'm glad that you got to share your story. And there's just so many things you could do. Like that truth wall is something that we all need to face, I think it would be very powerful as a workshop. So anybody who's going to Creative South, I think Jody could do an awesome workshop, don't you think? That would um, be fun. <laughs> it would be amazing, I think. It would be a really uh, eye-opening because I just think there's so much, there's so many people who live with anxiety and so many people who live with fear. And then it is the forgiveness. And sometimes it is the me that you have to forgive yeah. um, more than anybody else because you're holding on to things. And I think Anne said earlier, she's like, this is what I needed today. This is oh, so, good. so good. So I'm very thankful. She's super talented, even if all this other really cool stuff um, that she's doing for other people wasn't part of what Jody did. Just the work that Jody does, I think, is really amazing. So follow me, hit like, subscribe, and um, you can always, oh yeah, I always forget this part. Um, you can support the show if you go to patreon.com slash Diane Gibbs, and there's a couple different levels um, of support even a dollar is great and then you can do um if you want to get two try audible and you get two free books you can hit this link just bitly bit.ly slash design recharge and then you can also do um uh, i build websites and i love to use the divi and with the divi theme because I, I have tried other themes i'm actually teaching another theme and i really don't like it um but I'm not telling you about that one. Um, but I'm telling you about because Brian, who's here, turned me on to Elementor, this plugin, and I love it. So if you go to Diane Loves Divi, you get the Divi theme, and then Diane, um, not Diane, Dr. Elementor is. Those are the three ways, four ways, I guess, to support the channel. Um, thank you, Jody. Thank y'all. I'm just see you next week. Awesome.